Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. All right, healthcare, health insurance, something we all have to deal with. At least most of us have to deal with. And with this thing, uh, repealing the individual mandate if you're here in the United States. Is it happening? Is it not happening? Is there going to be a court challenge? Uh, and then what about my deductibles, my premiums, my coverage? Uh, is this good coverage? Is this some out-of-state company coming in to make sure that my coverage area doesn't turn into a desert like happened to here in Nevada two years ago? Wow, a lot of monotonous questions spoken in a very flat tone of voice, right? Well, what if I were to say Hooray Healthcare or Hooray Health? Yes, believe it or not, Hooray Health. We are going to actually have some fun with this, disrupting the healthcare industry. And I could not be more excited to have with us today somebody who's going to help us say Hooray Health. His name is Shane Foss. Let me tell you a little bit about him. After over 20 years in the healthcare industry, Shane decided to use his passion for technology to improve healthcare operations and products. In 2018, he launched Hooray Health, which is an unconventional health insurance company that works hard to make healthcare coverage simple, accessible, and affordable. Wow, lofty goals. See how he does it. Shane educates others on how and what they deserve and should expect from a health insurance company, as well as what employers in the current job market need to reward and retain employees. So a combination of the health insurance issue and the employee retention issue are two of the reasons I'm so excited to have Shane Foss with us today. So Shane, come on in. The weather's fine. All right. That was a great intro, Adam. I love the energy. Well, wait Somebody till as passionate as I am about this <laughs> stuff. Yeah, wait till you see what happens next. Uh, right about now, we have listeners who have opened a separate browser tab and they're leaning in and they're binging the Yahoo out of the Googles looking for this guy named Shane Foss, and that's spelled F-O-S-S. You're welcome. And his website, HoorayHealthCare.com. Shameless plug. Now, we want to help him out. So I read off your official bio there, very exciting stuff, but we'd like to know is a little bit more about you. So Shane, if you could tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and making a difference for your community, market, and audience. Well, love to tell you my background. Um, when you look at entrepreneurs, they always have uh, an interesting path to, you know, where they are today. And, you know, when you kind of hit that, that aha moment, and uh, I had a really interesting path. I started off in the military, actually, uh, working at the Air Force's largest hospital, Wilford Hall, as a, what they uh -huh. call a surgical technologist. 
So I really fell in love with healthcare there. And uh, from there, I worked with uh, some of the largest orthopedic companies in the world, Johnson & Johnson and Stryker, uh, and working in medical device uh, sales uh, with total knees and total hips, and, and just love that part of the, the, um, uh, the space. But um, when I had left Stryker, I had uh, worked for a couple different private equity groups running sales organizations. And, uh, and then I, one of my best friends from Stryker called me up and said, Hey, I just, I got my first CEO job and this is uh, it's a really interesting company. Would you, I'd love to have you come work with me. And so I went and looked at it and I fell in love with it. It was my first entry into health insurance and uh, it was uh, really working on surgical bundles and really, again, focused on the member, their experience, their out-of-pocket costs, really trying to drive down and create this transparency in, in healthcare. And, um, and we did really well there, sold the company. And, uh, and after we sold that company, I stayed on six months. And then I, then I was looking for my next deal. And, uh, and, and I figured, okay, now's my time. So as an entrepreneur, I was very excited. And, uh, but, you know, finding the, finding the right um, product, right, to create. And, uh, and what I found later on is, you know, love the problem, hate the solution, right? And, um, and so I found the problem, identified a problem, which is really, you know, we have a huge group of people that are um, uninsured in the United States or really underinsured, and uh, they don't have adequate access to healthcare. Uh, they're kind of lost in the system. And uh, I came up with the idea with Hooray Health uh, to really, uh, really address a market that is um, underserved in our space. And everybody knows it's underserved. And it was just uh, nobody really put a lot of focus into it. So that's what we did. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I think it's something that's very needed and especially very timely. Seems like forever now, uh, the healthcare industry has been in this continuous state of flux and confusion and goodness gracious I mean I just most recently when I did my annual re-enrollment it blew my mind that it only took me 30 minutes to do it because I was used to every single year mm -hmm. even if I thought I had it all together and I knew what I was doing one way or another I ended up spending an entire day on it Oh, yeah. on hold for three hours or something got mangled up and I had to go fix it or one of the companies I enrolled in never got my enrollment information but yet somehow got my money and then I had to <laughs> I mean I could go and, and that's just getting signed up imagine accessing these services and then I was in the emergency room and uh for something some time ago and then all these little bills kept showing up like how many x-ray technicians are there? And then I hear the story from uh, people I know, like somebody I know who had a heart attack and he had to hire somebody to help him negotiate with the hospital to only bill him for inpatient services for the days he was in there. Yep. Goodness yeah, gracious. Ah! <laughs> yeah, go on. Tell us, man. Well, it's, it's very frustrating. It's, um, it's very, there's, you have these, these large players that continually, you know, whether it's a health system or it's an insurance company, they buy smaller companies, they roll them up and then they're never fully integrated. So you've got this discombobulated mess, right? Right. It, it continues to get bigger and bigger. 
And then you then you've got the government, which actually, believe it or not, I know this is crazy, but they actually have a very efficient billing system with Medicare. And yeah. really it's the standard standard model that we should all be using, but everybody does something different and it's just insane. And so trying to organize and, you know, collect data and it's just, you know, it, we have insurance companies that won't even give employers their data and it's their members data. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it's just, it's so hard. And so now you've got, you have to create these th- third party negotiating systems just to go in and say, okay, I'm going to go to the hospital and I know they're charging you $50,000 for this, but I know I can get it down to 20,000. Well, right. How does that make sense? I mean, that's like me going into Walmart, buying a gallon of milk, right. And then paying $5 for it. And then a couple of weeks later, getting a bill from, you know, the, the guy that was cleaning the barn from, you know, the, the cow that gave the milk and then, yeah. then the guy that picked up the milk and then, you know, all of those costs are baked in, which, but healthcare doesn't do that because there's no coordination. And even as a matter of fact, there's a great article that just came out that um, it actually shows the exact opposite. So when, when hospitals were arguing that, Oh, we'll become more efficient and, you know, we'll be able to lower costs when we buy all these, you know, uh, join all these health systems together and they, you know, they roll them up. Well, actually there's an article that shows exactly the opposite. So even though they're part of this large system, they still don't talk to each other. There's still, you know, these silos that don't communicate. And so you've got, got these billing issues and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's really a shame. I, I think healthcare in general, when you talk to providers, whether it's a physician or, you know, you go to a pharmacy or, you know, everybody's kind of caught in the crossfire. And uh, it, it's one of those things where, how do you, you know, where do you start? And, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, tough deal for sure. Yeah. I, before I jumped in entrepreneurship, I worked for a, uh, what's known as a BIMCO behavioral health managed care organization. Mm-hmm. And I, in my last job there, before I, I left that company and became a full-time entrepreneur, I was the person who dealt with out of state facilities uh, dealing with out-of-network services, like if one of our members uh, roamed into uh, or got 302 in another state or something like that, and the disparity between what these facilities wanted to bill versus what the the state that contracted the services wanted to pay and how um, you know, our organization, the BIMCO, was contracted to manage this, but yet some of the savvier providers, uh, contracting departments, like the out-of-state hospitals, were savvy enough to know they could just ignore us and just basically hand their bill to the state and the, and the state would just pay them whatever they wanted. Yep. So we were, so we were hired to help lower and manage the costs. And at the same time, they could just pretty much give us the middle finger. Mm-hmm. And uh, in some cases, they would use profanity with us and just go to the state and get whatever they wanted. I figured out after a while being in that position that if I was uh, trying to, I was told I was supposed to, quote unquote, negotiate with these out-of-state facilities. But then I was also told that I was, uh, that my entire negotiation was to give them a mandated number, take it or leave it. I figured out after a while that if uh, if a facility wanted to be paid the rate that we offered, uh I had the flexibility to allow them to exclude 
the physician services. So you've heard of the terms include, you know, all in versus um, right. exclusive, right? So you right. know about that. Mm -hmm. uh, that much I could do, but if they didn't, uh, but if they didn't want to, uh, you know, accept the rate we were willing to pay, uh, or they didn't care about the chart that we got from the state that told them that was their rate or what have you, here's, you know, what I, I knew what I could do. I could just basically, I could say, okay, well, sorry. And then I just write them up as an uncooperative provider, throw them in the file. And then three months later, when they come complaining that all their bills got denied, um, I could say, all right, well, here's my supervisor's name. You can speak with her. And then just sit back and wait. And uh, within, usually within the same business day, I would be notified that uh, the powers that be had decided to just pay them whatever they wanted in the first place. And uh, I knew that, and I knew that if I were a facility representative, I would basically just do the same thing and get my money. Yep. I wouldn't deal with I wouldn't deal with these people who are getting hamstrung by their by the people who are contracting them. I just all right, so I'll get paid I'll get paid in ninety days instead of thirty, whatever. But I'm not taking five seventy seven fifty when I can right. get the whole twelve hundred just by being patient. Yeah. So, with that with that that's just my own personal experience. And that's only a very tiny sliver of the pie here. So with that in mind, tell me why we shouldn't feel that healthcare system is broken. Yeah. I mean <laughs> there the healthcare system is broken and it's um, it's examples like that, right? Where you, why is it that a, you know, if I was going to have a total knee done, why is it that it can, the prices can vary from $16,000 for all the costs to 127,000 and there's no correlation between cost and quality. Right. No. I mean, it's, you know, we have the technology, we have the, ability to do that stuff but yet you know we don't and it's um you know it's it's challenging for sure and i think that the biggest um driver of that is our own um uh disinterest in healthcare, right so if you look at if you know my grandfather was a great example geez louise i mean he high school high school um graduate and, you know, great guy, brilliant guy, but high school graduate, that guy, you ask him about a drug, that guy knew everything. And why, right. why did he know everything? It was because he was in it every day and he was trying to get the best price and doing this. I think we're, what we've gotten away from is it's not our money. Right. And so unless you're not insured, Interesting. right. So it's not our money. And when you look at who's paying, it's really the insurance company. So, you know, you don't, you know, if I, I ask you about a total need, you'd have no idea what the price is and, and really you don't care. Well, but if I ask you about a car, you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, yeah, I can't afford the Mercedes because the C class is 20. You know, da, 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 da. Uh -huh. I mean, you can tell me all the classes, right? Well, healthcare, you know, it's because we're not paying for it. We're paying for health insurance but we're not the ultimate customer, which is why, honestly, customer service sucks in healthcare generally, right? Right. Because, uh, you know, you, yeah, okay, you leave, but you're still not, you know, you're dissatisfied. Okay, well, big deal. You're not paying me. And so the, this, we have to look at this transition at some point to where um, we're going from this health insurance model to this. Um, almost like a, you know, property and casualty model, right? My, um, my house got hammered by hail this last spring, first time ever, you know, and, and I've been with this insurance company for, you know, 
30 years now. And um, so I had my first claim. So I didn't know how it worked. Well, they came out and said, yep, you're damaged. Here's a check for $40,000. Go find somebody to fix it. I was like, what? Okay. Uh, so I went out and I had all these people, you know, bidding on it and I did all this stuff and guess what? I got it for like, you know, 30,000 bucks. So I was able to pocket that 10,000 and, and do some other stuff around the house that needed to get done because of the, that hail damage. And so, um, so it was really nice. Well, now all of a sudden I didn't know how much roofs cost before. Well, guess what? I found out real quick. So what, you know, so if, if I have my primary care doctor that tells me, Hey Shane, you need a total knee. Well, and oh, am I, so I let my insurance company know and they say, well, here's Shane, here's a check for $40,000. Guess what? I'm not going to pay $127,000 for a total knee. I'm going to, I'm going to get a deal based on what I have cash in the bank. Right. So yeah. now I'm making being the consumer, but Hey, by the way, I may pay 40,000 if the guy has, the doctor has the quality uh, outcomes that he's listing and, and, you know, he may have a complication rate of half a percent and this guy over here has 3% and he's charging $20,000. Right. So now you have a capitalistic market, you know, yeah. that's where we need to go. Um, but there's, there's too many incumbents in here that, you know, that would hurt their business. So it's not going to happen, but um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting because, you know, we're, our, our space is the only space in the world where you go get your service. You have no idea what it costs. And then we get the, you know, bill after bill after bill, and you're legally obligated to pay it. And what most people don't realize is, um, 66.5% of all or of all uh, bankruptcies, personal bankruptcies in the United States are due to medical-related bad debt. Correct. That's up from 62% just a few years ago, by the way. Wow. So the challenge is you, you have no idea what that bill is. And so um, you know, what we did at Hooray was we actually looked at you know, really taking the first bite out of the elephant and addressing this issue of, okay, if I'm going to go to a doctor and I'm sick or my daughter's sick and I just need to know the price, I need to, you know, get a fair rate, pay it. So what we did was we went out and um, we found out where millennials, which is a bulk of our, our clientele, uh, our members, uh, we went out and found out that guess what? 64% go to urgent care retail clinics, which is actually where I go. I'm definitely not a millennial, but um, you know, it's convenient. They're open seven days a week. They're, you know, open at till eight o'clock at night. So I can go out yeah. to work and they have all of the services that you need. Well, so what we did was we actually went out and urgent cares are incredibly innovative. And so we, um, we built a national network, the first and only that has fixed pricing across the United States. So when you're a Hooray Health member, you have a mobile app and you just look up where you want to go. You click it, you go there and guess what? It's a $25 copay with no balance bill. And so the way it should be, um, you don't, you know, you don't worry about getting an, a bill for an extra injection or, you know, an IV or something like that. Um, it, it's all included in our pricing. And we work with the providers on that. And so, um, you know, again, addressing really the basic need. Yeah, you know, I think, um, and 
this is another piece to my personal experience, and I'm just going to share this, and I imagine this will latch into some of the issues that Hooray Health deals with. Um, you mentioned urgent care, and I think that urgent care is great because, you know, there are a lot of things where, I mean, they, they you, know, they, you know, there's the whole joke of I diagnosed myself on WebMD, but a lot of the times, you know what's wrong with you, right? Like, yeah. like if, like you know, like if you have strep throat, you know what strep throat is. If you, if you have a really bad cold, you have a really bad cold. If you have a broken bone, you know you broke your bone. I mean, can we have some level of agreement that these are things that make sense? Yes, absolutely. All right, all right. So, so if the bottom half of your right leg temporarily turns red, you know that that's probably cellulitis. Some people know that. Yep. Exactly. I mean, it could be a blood clot. It could be other things. Uh, but the chances are very high that it's cellulitis. So I was actually out of state and was due to travel on an airplane when I caught cellulitis, which I've had maybe three times in my life. Uh, the, the, the issue with that is if you're going to travel on an airplane, you do have to have it checked to make sure there's no blood clot. Mm -hmm. because uh because the changes in atmospheric pressure could kill you yeah and 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 again understanding that so i went to an urgent care this place i was out of state and they told me exactly that which was what i expected them to say actually in a way is the guy said you know if you weren't going to be getting on an airplane tomorrow i would just give you the antibiotics for and and tell you the take two a day and uh if it's still red in 10 days come back but since you told me you're going to be on an airplane, you got to get ultrasounded just to make sure there's not a blood clot. And we don't have an ultrasound machine. You have to go to the ER. So already I'm thinking, oh, goodness, emergency room, mm -hmm. out of network, out of state. Oh, yeah. Christ. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I get to the I get to the emergency room and they want to run all sorts of blood tests and do these injections and all that. And I said, look, no, you will not be pulling my blood. Uh, this is cellulitis. I'm here to make sure that it's not actually a blood clot. And I had to assert my rights to not receive care because I could see where this was going. They wanted to run all sorts of tests that they probably knew were unnecessary, that they might be running to run up my bill, or they could be running to be extremely cautious in this area of litigiousness that we're in right now, mm -hmm. where they get sued for pretty much anything. But I had to inform them that I was not going to allow them to take my blood, that, that was, I was there to get ultrasounded. And I was agreeable that if it turned out that there was a blood clot or was something other than cellulitis, that, yeah, at that point, it would make sense to have some sort of test run. But mm -hmm. I wasn't going to let them go on a fishing expedition. It's like, uh, and, then when I, and then when I checked in at the, uh, at the reception in the emergency room, I, you know, I asked a very common question after you've, uh, you know, been traveling around. I said, hey, hey where's the John, right? Common question. And yeah. the attendant said, well, since you're going to the bathroom, how about you giving us a urine sample? And I said, no, and I won't even touch your cup. Because what are they, they going to do? What are they going to do? Bill me for a, a urine sample now? Right. No, so, that's exactly what they were going to do. Right, right, right. So, so, so I knew enough to know not only to refuse to take their urine test, but to not even touch the cup. I knew enough about that. So where I'm going with this, Shane, is I knew just enough 
in that situation to understand the basics of a concept called informed consent. So that while I'm not stupid and I recognize if we get to a certain point, it might be necessary to run certain tests. Man, I knew what was going on. I had cellulitis, but we just wanted to make sure it wasn't a blood clot so I didn't die on an airplane. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Common sense. Yep. But there are folks who will submit to all kinds of procedures and tests and everything else. And there are and there are medical facilities and practitioners who will over-render services or over-treat patients for yep. whatever reason you want to insert. So how does informed consent or something like it, maybe under a different name, help us in this whole healthcare situation? Then I want to get into obviously some of the other things you wanted to cover, which is what people should be most worried about. But I wanted to go here because I think this is something people should be worried about. Well, I think with informed consent, I, the uh, you know obviously I'm not a legal expert, but here's right. my my humble opinion. I think the challenge is 99% of Americans trust their doctor, right? Whether right. they're going into an ER and seeing them for the first time. Um, and that's the problem. They're going to do whatever they're, whatever they want to do. And, um, and so that's where from an informed consent standpoint, um, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's, it's, uh, un- you know, unfortunately, you know, they're incentivized um, because they're working for the hospital. The hospital, you know, the other thing that a lot of people don't realize is you'll get people that stay there, um, you know, for 24-hour observation, right? Yeah. <laughs> and which is, you know, now you're talking about a $10,000 hospital stay. Yeah. And, you know, so um, so I think that, um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on. And uh, from an informed consent standpoint, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to give you, they're going to tell you what, um, uh, you know, what the risks and benefits are. The, the patient, you know, like you, you're an educated benefit or an educated patient. And so you, you, Hey, I understand that I could die because, you know, I may have some other rare disease, but you know, I was just diagnosed. So, so from an informed consent standpoint, I think that's great, but you're going to see most people are going to be scared to death and the doctor's sitting there who's a very well-educated person. They're going to believe him and say, all right, just, I'll, I'll do the urine test. I'll do the blood test. I'll do everything else. Right. And that's, you know, and that's, and that's the, uh, um, you know, that's the unfortunate part about the business. I right. mean, I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. My, uh, my wife, she's a physician. She's an anesthesiologist, uh, you know, brilliant person. Uh-huh. And, um, she was in her first semester in medical school or first, yeah, first semester. And we were up in Minnesota where I grew up and my grandfather at the time searches her out and starts talking to her and, oh my gosh. And next thing you know, he's talking to her about his prostate. And I mean, I I had to intervene and say, grandpa, she's literally, I mean, she doesn't even know what a prostate is at this point. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, but people, they hear the word doctor and they just assume they know all, right? And so, um, you know, there's a lot of trust there in that relationship. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I mean, again, and there's so many variables to it and you can't necessarily blame the facility or the practitioner either because then 
what happens if it turns out they should have run a test and mm -hmm. uh, then somebody wants to sue them because they're the licensed professional. They should have known. Right. So, yep. uh, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and there's things, and I know this is beyond the scope of our conversation here, but we recently had a passage of the Right to Try Act, which allows people to um, engage in experimental procedures and medications, mm -hmm. which I think is a great thing because you got to find a way to make sure it works. Now, I'll tell you, if I was terminal and I was being told I had two weeks to live and there was nothing to do about it using the standard procedures, but if somebody told me there was some wonder drug that was still pending FDA approval that in uh, tests over in Israel had a 96% success rate, give me the damn pill. Yeah. It gets me an extra week. I got 50% ROI on it. Right. No, right. Exactly. So, and I, and, I, and I think that's great because I think that can facilitate us getting uh, more treatments because if we can demonstrate that it actually is a successful treatment, that can lead to it becoming more mainstream. And I'm all for that. Uh, so now let's turn more to, you know, what Hooray Health deals with. And let's start with, aside from all the things we've discussed today, we're about halfway through here, which is why I really want to get it over to you now. What should Americans be worried about when it comes to healthcare, aside from all these horror stories we've already shared? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is just how much they're paying for coverage if they yeah. have it. Um, you know, so, uh, last year, one of the millmen, which is, a um, a large, very well-respected firm in, uh, in our space, they, uh, they're actuaries. So they study the numbers and they put out a number of $28,280 was the average annualized family premium for a major medical plan, $28,000. You never get that money back. And oh, by the way, the average deductible was $3,400. You know, then yeah. you look at deductible for a family, you know, you're looking at $12,000. Uh -huh. You know, the average American, you know, 57% of Americans have less than $1,000 in their bank account. And right. so, so really, I, I think what, what I, when I talk to friends, ask me about it, I just say, look, you know, you're a smart person. How much are you spending on your house a year? And, you know, most of them are going to say, uh, you know, anywhere from 18 to maybe $25,000 in their mortgage, right? Uh -huh. Well, you're going to, and, and you, there's a, hopefully there's a return and, you know, your home's going to appreciate, but you're basically buying a, a mid-range or a mid-value car every year with your family right now. Yeah. And I think that there's alternatives out there um, like Hooray that can help you with, um, with a more affordable, uh, and economical way to, uh, uh, to, to, you know, really be part of the healthcare system. And so, um, that's, I, you know, I just, the, the biggest thing for me is the financial burden. I look at, I look at the, you know, my son is 22 and he's getting ready to graduate college and he's looking at his job and, you know, you're going to have 401k, you're going to get benefits and all these things. And, you know, my biggest fear is that we're, we're creating this, this generation that, you know, if he has a family, um, you're talking 18 to $2,200 a month for, um, for coverage, you know, with a large employer. And, and it, it's just, it's financially devastating for your future paying that amount. 
And I think we've been at a tipping point for a while. And so, um, you know, taking that money and saving it, looking at alternative options, like, you know, some of the um, health share ministries and, you know, they, uh, they have very good programs. And, um, and then there's programs like ours that take care of certain aspects of your health care that can, you know, really, you know, that's an affordable approach to, to um, uh, your health insurance and your, you know, getting affordable health care. And, uh, but you have to be engaged in it. And, uh, and yeah. that's, that my biggest, my biggest suggestion is always engagement. You got to engage and understand and take the time. It's just like, you know, like anything else you do. Yeah. Well, here's an interesting question that uh, I know you wanted me to ask, and I know the wording of it may seem slightly clumsy, but you're such a, you're such a, you know, factual individual. You're somebody who has, has a great talent for making things very understandable and simple to the layman, which is great. So what insight, excuse me, what insights are there into health coordinators and proactive healthcare management? And there may be some definition of terms involved in this one. No, so I, I think that health coordination, I think, is the biggest opportunity in healthcare. Um, you know, when you look at some of the, the big startups, they're, they're not innovative in their health insurance product with where they're innovative is in the, um, is in the coordination. So Oscar is a great example. They, um, they charge a lot of money. They have big deductibles. They're no different than Blue Cross Blue Shield or, uh, you know, United or any of the other ones. But where they're different is that coordination, that hand-holding to make sure that you're going to an in-network provider, that you're getting your answers questioned on, um, uh, you know, MRIs and cost. And so I, I think that there's a, there's a huge opportunity in coordination. Right, 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 right. So, um, so let's shift this over a little bit to employers and business owners because we this is the business creators radio show obviously so we have folks who themselves need health insurance uh they may be part of a small group that needs health insurance or they may be at the point where their company has just gotten big enough where they are required to offer health insurance to their employees if they have w-2 employees so what are employers and business owners facing in the current job market what do they need to know yeah so tightest labor market in the history of the united states right it's a great place to be and if you're a small company it's a horrifying place to be because you're competing against all these large corporations that you know their their profits are at record levels they they're offering more and more money and benefits to this talent pool that you know me as a small business owner as well we're trying to look for that, you know, to dig into that talent pool. So benefits is the number one way um, to, uh, to attract and retain uh, top talent. And so as a small business owner, um, whether you have hit that 50 full-time employee threshold or not, right. um, or a smaller, you know, you're stuck with um, very high rates on, um, uh, on your major medical health insurance. So a lot of times it's just not an option. And so um, what our, what we specialize in is that, you know, that small business or that business over 50 that has, um, you know, large uh, 
large hourly population that is, you know, they, they need to, um, they need to create a competitive advantage to attract some of that talent. And so uh, being able to offer a plan that is affordable, you know, the majority of our employers actually pay 75% of our premium, which is great for the employee. And so, um, but it's, it's something where they're able to get their basic healthcare needs taken care of and they're able to, um, uh, you know, um, see it, get their children in to see a doctor, get their preventative stuff taken care of. And, uh, and they don't have to worry about those balanced bills with us. And so it's a really, it's a, it's, it's a really nice option for that small business. The other thing with small businesses is I think that they're the perfect incubator or opportunity to look at other alternatives. You know, um, we, uh, we work with another company, um, uh, that, they'll offer their, their medical um, cost share plan uh, as a kind of a, uh, as a, for surgery and hospitalization, the stuff that we don't cover hundred percent and they cover it. And, and it's, you know, we're, we're talking 60, 70% discount off of a major medical plan, but yet you have less out of pocket. You don't have a network. They can go to any doctor they want. So it's really interesting. So I think as you know, small businesses, when I talk to small businesses, they all, they all struggle with the same things. I mean, a lot of these major medical cares, they don't even, they don't even want to waste their time quoting them because they're going to get, you know, of 50 people, they may get seven people out of it, you know, that yeah. they can actually write. So going to alternatives like us is a great option. Um, and, uh, you know, there's some really good players out there. So I think that, um, you know, it's a big option or a big opportunity for small businesses. Right. So why I just want to be clear about your model, because I know that, uh, you know, and you know, going through this every year with having to renew my coverage or re-enroll for my coverage or whatever you want to call it is one of the considerations I need to have. One of the considerations I need to have in mind is, you know, what kind of network do you have? Do you have a good network? Is my provider in your network? Is the provider I want to work with in your network? Uh, do you have a provider network or, or, or how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So we have the Hooray Health Provider Network, which is our retail clinic and urgent care uh, network. So we, that's where you get the $25 copay, no balance bill. And then we use, um, we partner with uh, what we call our RAP network, which is the first health network. And it's an, an enormous network. Um, that really covers both of our networks. We're, uh, we're in 47 states, they're in all 50 states. So no matter what, you know, you've got so really solid coverage. And the other part of it though is, even if you go out of network with us, we pay what's called a fixed price reimbursement. So um, if you, let's say you went to your uh, provider, we're gonna pay you a fixed amount onto that. And if they add a lab, we pay you a little bit more. If there's an x-ray, we pay a little bit more. And then, so you may have to pay a little bit of a, a balance at the end, but it's it's nothing compared to, you know, what you would normally pay. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a, I think there's a benefit there. So overall, if somebody were to come to you uh, and ask what, they can expect from you or what have you. Let's answer the question this way, Shane. What should a person expect and deserve from their health insurance company? So 
basically they should um, expect access to providers. Uh, they should expect uh, fair and transparent pricing. Uh-huh. And they should they should get what they pay for, right? So they they need to, you know, if you're paying five hundred dollars a month for a three thousand dollar deductible plan, you you know, there's got to be value there. Um, and you know, and the challenge is, you know, how do you how do you identify that that value? So you, how are you evaluating your plan every year? Um, it's very hard. So what you can expect from Hooray Health is that you're going to have access to a national network. You have 24-7 access to a medical concierge. You have 24-7 access to a $0 consult telemedicine, 24-7. Uh -huh. um, have, we have a mobile app that coordinates all of our services, including our network, provider network. And that when you go to one of our providers that you're going to pay $25, you're not going to have to worry about that balance bill. And that we're going to take care of your basic healthcare needs, your sick and accident and your preventative, which is really under the age of 45, but 60% of your claims dollars are accident related, believe it or not. So, yeah. you know, with us, we cover those accident costs. And so um, it's a, you know, it, it's, we're a very pragmatic uh, product. We're not, we're not a major medical. We don't want to be a major medical. Yeah. And, um, and so we're, that's why we serve that specific, you know, hourly part-time, um, uh, uh, population with an affordable plan. Our, our average plan starts at, uh, $99 a month, right? So it's very affordable. Uh, so you right. can, you can get your kids in, you can, you know, you can see a doctor and you don't have to worry about that balance bill. Yeah, I think that these are all pretty reasonable expectations. And I think that if these are goals we're looking to achieve, rather than what we should be, than what we're actually taking for granted at this point, I think that says a lot about the current state of the healthcare industry. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, we have a long way to go. Yeah, I... You know, we have a few minutes left here, and I made this observation. I think uh, the last time we had a healthcare topic on Business Creators Radio Show, which was about a year ago, and I think I've mentioned this uh, as a contextual aid uh, on a couple of other episodes. You know, we here in the United States, and I don't know how it is in other countries of the world, and I know we have listeners from all around the world, but here in the United States, you know, we have this system that we have here, and I remember about two or three years ago, uh, and you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this statement without saying people's names because I have a feeling that this is gonna be an evergreen topic and history is gonna repeat itself. So <laughs> listen to the phrases that I'm gonna use, and this will remind you of something that happened a couple years ago. And I bet you, if somebody listens to this episode four or eight years from now, this is also gonna sound familiar. A couple years ago, we got a new president, and uh, they were going to do a you know a big reform of health care and uh, Congress put up these really half-assed bills that were worse than what was already in place and it got narrowly shot down 
And ultimately, I think what we have is this cycle where uh, every four or eight years, we're going to try and reform the system and name it after whatever president is currently in power. And then uh, when the next president comes in, we're going to try and do the same thing and name it after them. <laughs> that's, that, does that sound like recent history? Does that sound yeah. like a reasonable expectation of where we're headed if this continues? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's interesting when, like this time, President Trump, a lot of a lot of rhetoric because it's a hot topic in the United States. A lot yeah. of rhetoric about you know changing healthcare, change, and he's done a lot to his to his credit. Well, yeah, yeah, but, right, yeah, right to try individual mandates. Uh, yeah, a little yeah. bit, a little bit of work on pharmaceutical yeah. costs. I mean, yeah. credit credit where due. And if we do want to focus on Trump for just a moment, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can think about those bills that were introduced by Congress in 2017. Um, I, I mean, if you recall from Trump's campaign, he was talking about cross-state portability, yeah. competition into the market. And these bills that Congress were putting up, you know, the first time I saw it, I said, well, what the hell is this? Where's Trump care? Where's my cross-state portability? Where's my yeah. where's my where's my competition in the marketplace to get my costs down? Let me skip ahead to my my point about this. Is we can keep reforming the healthcare system and naming it after whatever president we have or trying to or what have you, or having all these show bills, which is what a friend of mine calls them show bills. The idea that Congress will vote on them and the sure. president will never sign it, but then the congressperson has the optics of saying, I voted to repeal or I voted to implement, even though it was never going to happen to begin with. They can say they voted for it and yep. for memories, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to keep in this endless cycle where that evergreen phraseology I used two minutes ago will probably still be valid in four years, eight years, and 12 years, until or unless we actually begin working on the cost of healthcare. Because I looked at all those proposals in 2017, and I said, where are we reducing costs and increasing efficiencies? I don't see it. Yeah. Well, I think here's what the what Trump is has done is so you you saw the transparency right now yeah now but but the providers are smart because it's very confusing you can't make anything out of that transparency so now he's taking it to another level but the challenge is it's not about transparency it's just about having standard pricing across the board where there's a standard system today if I'm Aetna, Blue Cross, United, I have different types of agreements with a health system or a provider across the street, right? I may, I may pay X amount of, uh, you know, 150% of Medicare on CPT codes for this provider. And across the way, I'm paying based on a, a well, I'll pay you a global fee of this. And, and there's, there's all of these different payment um, schedules that confuse it. So, yeah. so transparency is always going to be challenging. Um, so, you know, the Republicans, jeez, uh, eight years ago, seven years ago, they were looking right. at, they were looking at, um, we're speaking. We're speaking in 2020, just to keep people perspective. What you mean by eight years ago? Oh yes, I'm sorry. Yes, for 2020. Yeah. And so, but when you look, they were, um, you know, Speaker of the House Ryan. They were looking at doing something where you had kind of a skinny plan, health insurance plan that you could buy off the exchange. It didn't cost very much, like Hooray, that took care of your basic needs. 
And then you had this catastrophic plan that was a, a government, if you would, government funded. And, right. um, and you know, of course, the, the special interest groups are never going to allow that. They, they just aren't. And there's too much riding on everything that's happening right now. Uh, you know, 17.5% of the national GDP is in healthcare. Do you think yeah. that there's a lot of money going into that special interest group right now for lobbyists? Of course there is. So, you know, it, what, where I think people are underestimating um, is people are underestimating the fact that at some point, you've priced yourself out of the market, right? Why right. doesn't, why doesn't everybody own a Mercedes or a Maserati? Well, because a lot of people can't afford them. Right. And they make a conscious decision that I can go with or without, right. I can, I can get with or without that Maserati. So it's going to, and it's happening right now because our in, uninsured rate continues to rise. So I think what's going to, where we're going to see some opportunities is in this space of um, being able to identify providers that are willing to take cash. And then pr- there will be companies like us that are, hey, this is what we will pay for this service. And there's going to be a relationship that is created with the, uh, the actual insured person, right? And they're going to actually take ownership in their care as opposed to what's going on now, which is, oh, okay, Blue Cross Blue Shield, you're not in network. I'm not going to you. I'm going over here, right? So I think that in the next 10 years, that's going to be really the change. You're going to get this marriage of technology. You're going to get this group of providers that are forward thinking that are going to start looking at, okay, how do we, how do we, tell people, Hey, we're only charging $10,000 for a gallbladder. And that includes anesthesia, um, uh, equipment, your hospital stay includes everything. So come see us. It's $10,000. I don't care if you're United blue cross or self-pay you're getting paid 10, you're getting charged $10,000. And there's a group out of Oklahoma that's been doing that now for years and they're very successful. And even though they have a lot of companies that don't want them to work. Right. But they've been very successful. And so, uh, and it's the Oklahoma surgery center. And so I think we're going to see more and more of that. Um, but, uh, not until we see more and more people just completely opting out of the health insurance system because it's just too expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that these are, this is some of the stuff we really need to, to focus on. I mean, I've, you know, it, it doesn't matter what side, you know, air quotes, side I am on whatever political issue, spectrum, uh, approach to healthcare, what have you. But where I seem to find the common ground with people on the, and I'm going to again use air quotes, other side, is we got to do something about the cost because nothing's mm-hmm. really going to change until we get there. I can at least, generally speaking, find common ground on that. Even if everything else is dis- disagreed upon, uh, there's generally a consensus that if we don't do something about these costs and and how this is spiraling out of control, we're never really going to have a, a meaningful reform. Yeah, no, and, and I'll leave you with one thing. You're going to hear yeah. a lot of people that say, you know, it doesn't work that way. You can't do it that way, but it's not true. There's examples in healthcare today. So think about um, LASIK eye procedure or cataracts, 
Yeah. Um, you know, these are, these are procedures. Well, cataracts is a bad example. Let's just stay with Lasix or let's go with plastic surgery, right? If you're getting sure. liposuction, they have fixed pricing. You go there. It's, it's a great experience. I don't know if you've ever been in either one of those settings, but what a great customer service experience and people are willing to pay $2,500 for an eye, $10,000 for, you know, liposuction and a tummy tuck, stuff like that. Right. And it's all fixed pricing. Those guys don't send balance bills. They don't deal with insurance. Yeah. And so now if, if we can get to that, that place where that's where we're going, the cost will go down because now you have a natural competitive market because by the way, have, has LASIK surgery price gone up or down over the last 10 years? I think down, down dramatically. I mean, dramatically. And so as technology improves, right, there's more money there. There's, you know, you're focused on the customer experience, you know, they advertise. I mean, it's just, it's, it's how a business should work right now. You know, you, you know, you, you go to one of the health systems and, Oh, we're the best. Well, why are you the best? Do you have the data? Well, no, we don't share the data. (laughs) Right. Well, because they don't want you to know. Right. And they know that really, as long as they're in your network, you know, you're kind of stuck going with them. So, um, so there are already examples where it's happening today. And I think that over the course of the next 10 years, you'll see more and more um, companies going that way. Uh, I think there's a huge opportunity for, you know, some big money to get put in that space and, uh, and do very, very well. But uh, it's not going to be cheap to get that going. But once they get it going, I think it'll be a snowball effect. Absolutely. So we're near the top of the hour here. So what I want to do is I want to turn the stage to you just once more. And for any of our listeners who are leaning in, wanting to discover more about this, uh, looking how Hooray Health could possibly move the needle for them, what would be the first steps or the next steps for them? So go to www.hoorayhealthcare.com. Yep. And uh, there's a, on the back page, there's a contact form, fill that out and we'll get back with you. Uh, or you can call us at 866-7-HOORAY, H-O-O-R-A-Y. Uh-huh. And we will, uh, we'll get back with you. I think that, uh, you know, the more innovators that we can support as, a, as small businesses, the more opportunities you're going to have in the future. So we need Absolutely. to stick together. Yep. That's Hooray Healthcare. So you have me thinking almost, hooray health. Uh, I want to thank you so much, Shane. This actually is a lot of fun. I mean, this is a topic that people tend to dread, that tends to be painful, something irritating that maybe we just don't even want to think about, that makes people feel frustrated, even helpless. And I think what was great about our conversation today is we were able to dissect some of the issues and take some different approaches to it that I think can engage conversation, get people thinking, and help people create a framework for how they can achieve a greater level of success or at least equilibrium when it comes to healthcare. So I I trust we've done a great job with that, and I and I trust that our listeners will appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to sit with us on that. Well, thank you, Adam. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show, and you're doing a great job. Keep up the good work, and uh, Call me back anytime. 
And you likewise, you likewise, you keep on keeping on with this because I think we need to see more of it. So everybody, though, Shane Foss of HoorayHealthCare.com and our conversation on disrupting the healthcare industry. It's been an honor and an education for me. And I trust that you've enjoyed today's episode of Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.